Welcome to the Right Fight Podcast, where we talk about how to live a loving life. I'm your host, Kenny Vaughn. I'm here with Tammy, my wife, who's been my uh, amazing sidekick the last several episodes, and it's my goal to keep her her on board. Um, I think, by the way, thank you so much for joining us and helping me with this, and, and I get a lot of great feedback, especially what you bring to the podcast with your heart and and with your sweet voice i think it's i look i think everybody loves to hear you talk and then uh with god's word you know thank you for having me yeah so tammy i mean um i'm kind of just raw and to the point and just try to dig up the truth and tammy does a great job of bringing the truth to god's word uh which sometimes reveals to me i need to change what i was going to say and then sometimes it confirms the truth and so so it's great, it's wonderful having you here, baby, and uh, thank you for joining us. Today we're going to talk about, you know, as you know, we've been, we, uh, we started talking about the book, went through every chapter, and now we're going through a series of Instagram posts where we got a lot of feedback on them and questions, and, and these posts are just 60 seconds, and so here we have a chance to spend, instead of 60 seconds, about 20 minutes is our target digging a little deeper into why these things are true because we believe that once you understand why, I think I think what makes so many things so hard, like we're going to talk about tolerance today, what makes trying to sort it out so hard is not, is not digging deep enough to discover the truth of what it really is and what we should really do. So we just think we should be tolerant of everything, but we know that's not right, but that's what we're supposed to do. So we're always trying to do something that deep down we know is not right, or, or we think we're supposed to be totally intolerant, but we know that's not right, and, but that's what we do while deep down we know that's really not right. So, so we're always in this state of conflict, and I th- it seems to me that whenever we, if we can dig a little deeper and get to the real truth, it sets us free. I think that's why Jesus was saying, you know, you know, dig deeper, come closer so that you understand why you're doing what you're doing. And then it's so much easier from there going forward. Tolerance is a hot topic because that's all we hear about. You know, everybody wants you to be tolerant. And then and the question we had on this Instagram post was, what is more tolerant, love or fear? And you may say, what's love and fear? What does that have to do with each other? We, if you listen to the podcast, you're probably not asking that question because we, we talk about it all the time if, if, you, if you listen frequently. But if not, um, if it's your first time, I mean, we believe that fear is the opposite of love, that fear is always looking out for itself without regard for other people. It's afraid and it just wants whatever is easy, what, whatever it sees as best for itself at the moment. Where love is willing to do what's truly best for others without regard for itself. So if I'm tolerant um, of you for me, if, if I'm selfish, if I'm fear-led, then I'll tolerate almost anything. I think fear is incredibly tolerant. It'll tolerate anything that it believes at least immediately is best for itself. So it, it, it doesn't it just doesn't care how bad it is for you. You know, if that's you, it's like you do you. It's, it's, that's fine. With me, if, if it makes you happy, do it, even if it's destroying you. And, and in the case, when it, and as we know, when it comes to sin, that destroys people. So if, if we are fear-led and selfish, we love ourselves, as I often say, and it's always getting me in trouble. But if we love ourselves, then 
we do what's best for ourselves without regard for others, which makes us very tolerant. It, 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 it does, we don't care what other people do. You know, that's your problem. You deal with that. But if we really love people, then we're in a situation where what's best for them matters to us. And if what is best for them is, is not something they're doing or something they are believing, something they are participating in, something they are embracing, something they're chasing, something, that, something they're going to live in their life, if, if, if we see that and we don't believe it's best for them and we love them, we can't pretend that's okay. You know, and people say, well, that's intolerant. Well, if that's intolerant, then I would say love is not tolerant. Love only tolerates what it believes is truly best for you. And if it doesn't believe it's best for you, and it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that I can stop you from doing it. It doesn't mean that I can control you or that, that I can force you to do something different. But, but it does mean that, because, that, that since I love you, you may see me as intolerant sometimes because I'm going to have to tell you or, or ask you why you're doing that. And I'm going to try to help you understand why it's not best for you and see why you shouldn't want to do it and why you shouldn't continue to do it. So if I love you, I would argue I'm not very tolerant. Uh, I'm not tolerant of sin in your life, for sure. I'm not tolerant of your selfishness. But um, at the same time, I don't want this to come across as if, you know, I'm, um, I don't tolerate anything. So I want to start with a quick story that I think illustrates this a little bit. There was a neighbor of ours in our neighborhood, and this is um, it's a brutal story. It's actually a, it's a good story. It's not a brutal story. It's a happy story. It's hard for me to tell without, without crying, so I'm probably going to stumble my way through this. And listen, I hope you have some stories in your life that it's hard for you to tell without crying. And if you don't, I hope if you keep listening to this podcast that you'll end up with some stories in your life that you're going to have a hard time telling without crying. And, um, and this is one of those. And so we grew up in a neighborhood. Our, our little neighborhood we grew up in was called Sherwood Forest. So it sounds like magical almost, right? I mean, the days of Robin Hood and, and Sherwood Forest was the name of our neighborhood. Our different streets were named you know, Little John and Friar Tuck, and that was the streets in our neighborhood. And we were like a, a cul-de-sac neighborhood. You know, it was only one way in and out. But at the top of the cul-de-sac was a little ways uphill. There was this guy, and we all lived, you know, our houses were probably 10 feet apart, you know, the, the typical neighborhood. But at the top of the hill, there was a man, and he had a big, nice house, and he had a large lot, probably, I say large, it was probably two, three acres on the side of his house, and he had horses behind a fence behind that. His name was Mr. Brockoff. And this side lot that he had next to his house was long and slender, and so it was like a rectangle, and it was like the perfect football field, you know, and, and the perfect baseball field and the perfect soccer field. But nobody knew Mr. Brockoff. He was an older man at that time. He was, I don't know, he was probably in his 60s, I'm guessing. And, he, you know, we'd see him come and go to golf. But it, we finally got up the nerve to just go up there and just be playing in his yard one day. We're like, let's go play football up there. That's the best field we can find. But, I mean, it's right next to his house. And then originally when we'd see him coming, we'd run, you know, because like, uh-oh, there comes Mr. Brockoff, and we'd all scatter. And, uh, but a couple times he caught us. You know, he, we didn't see him coming, and he rolled in, and he just waved at us. And he just let us play in his yard. And that was a little strange to us because before we found Mr. Brockoff's yard, 
there was we would play chase in the neighborhood, and there was at least one house where there was a guy that lived there, and he had a small yard like all the rest of us. But if he caught you stepping on his grass, he would chase you. Like I mean, I mean, he was he would he. I don't think he would ever hurt anyone, but as a kid, we didn't know that. But he would scream and holler and chase you. And so in the neighborhood, the rumor was, yeah, he chased Al with a stick one time, you know. So so we were just scared to death. I mean, if you were playing chase and you're running across the yards and here comes that yard, man, you ran out straight. <laughs> you just didn't want to get caught going. You'd rather get caught in chase and get caught going across his yard. So we're thinking Mr. Rockoff would be the same way. But instead um, – he let us play in his yard, and pretty soon it became obvious that it was okay. He would always wave, and when he would come in, so now, so of course, that means we're playing everything there. I mean, we get home from school, we get off the bus, we get on our bicycles, and everybody's headed up the hill, and we ride into the front of his yard. Everybody dumps their bicycles, and we're off. We're playing basketball. I mean, a football or baseball or whatever we're doing. And he just loved it. But you might, some might say that uh, we loved it, and he loved it, and you might say. Um, that the guy in the neighborhood was very intolerant, meaning that um, you know he wouldn't tolerate us stepping on his grass, and 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 I don't think that's a healthy intolerance. Okay, that's a, one of the points I want to make. And you might say that Mr. Brockoff was very tolerant because he tolerated us playing in his yard. But I'd like to ex- tell you a little more about Mr. Brockoff. Um, I mean, after we played there for a while. We were bouncing balls. We started growing up. You know, we started out with we a little bit of kids. We couldn't hardly hit the ball anywhere. As we started growing, you know, we could hit the ball a lot harder. And we bounced from balls off his roof. And uh, and one day, one day we we uh, we didn't. There's a kid named uh, Benur, <laughs> super kid. We could hardly get him. You know, we we always we always wanted him on our team because he he could hit, he could crush the baseball. But he always pulled the ball, and a pull was in Mr. Brockoff's house. And so we're always like, "Come on, Steve, you cannot hit the ball over there." You know, we don't want to lose our privileges. And anyway, he pulled a line drive through Mr. Brockoff's window, knocked his window off window out. And Mr. Brockoff wasn't home, and so we hung around till he got home, and we let him know that. We broke the window, and he asked us, you know, how did it get broken? And we explained it to him, and he was just as gracious, as gracious as he could be. He said, "It's okay, you know. I know that, you know, if it happens as an accident, it's okay, and I'll fix it. Don't worry about it. But I do want to make sure you're not up here, and you don't get to the point that you think you can just tear up my house or start knocking windows out, because if if you start doing that, I, I'm not going to tolerate that. And so I would, I guess, what I'm arguing is that. That love is tolerant and love does get hurt, you know. I mean, you expose yourself to hurt. You're, it's tolerant in the to the extent that it will tolerate your somewhat some of your recklessness, some of your foolishness, uh, some of your accidents, um, and and some things that just happen in life. It's not completely intolerant of that, but if it believes that that you're choosing that, that, you, that you're aware of that and you're choosing that, it won't tolerate that because not so, and, and I would say not, Mr. Brockoff wouldn't have run us off because we were knocking his windows out. But he, I think he would have run, run us off for our own sake if we thought it was okay for us to be knocking windows out. And so, so love is not tolerant in that sense. Close that, I'm going to finish that story with, with the, hard, the part that's hard to tell. After that summer when we broke his window, I don't know. Um, 
I'm not sure whose idea it was. It might have been my brother's. It might have been mine, one of the other kids. But um, we decided, hey, let's take up some money. And we all pitched in a little money. And we got my mom to bring us to the local trophy shop. And um, we bought this little wood plaque. And we put on there, oh, we just put on there to Mr. Brockoff. And it just said something along the thank you so much for letting us play in your yard and bounce the balls off your roof, you know. <laughs> knock your windows out. So sweet. Yeah, right? And, and we didn't think a whole lot of it. We just thought it was, we just did it, you know. We gave him the plaque one year. And that was it. We were early teens, I guess, about that time. Well, that was the last I remember thinking of that plaque. But I was in my mid to late 20s, and I was just driving through the old neighborhood. I do that all the time. I did it today. Because I have so many fond memories of my childhood and my parents and everything there. But um, and doing it today reminded me this would be a great story to share with Tolerance. But in my late 20s or so, I went by Mr. When I drove through the neighborhood, um, I saw Mr. Brockoff's car was there. And I thought, I want to go say hello to him. So I went and knocked on his door and a lady helped me come in. And he could hardly get out of his chair at that point. He was really old and he, was, he, he had some Alzheimer's or something. He was forgetful. The house was really dark, like you couldn't hardly see where you were going and I thought that was strange but he recognized me you know and then he would kind of come and go he was in and out a little bit you know in his, in, in his awareness and um and so we chatted for a little bit and then I became aware that the reason the house was so dark wasn't because they wanted it dark but because all the lights had burned out and neither one of them were capable of changing the lights so he asked if I would change the light bulb so I, I mean we changed Every light, every light in the house, pretty much. But during the time while we're changing the lights, Mr. Brockoff, I can tell he's looking for something, but he can't really get around much. You know, he kind of walk and go look, and he come back and sit down again. And she, the lady, kept asking him, "What are you looking for?" And he didn't, he 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 wasn't doing a good job of communicating what he was looking for, and he was getting frustrated even sometimes because he couldn't communicate, she couldn't understand, and he said something. Before, right before we were about to leave, and, and she goes, oh, I know what you're... <sighs> Dang it. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. And she went and went in the other room and came back, and she said, this is his most prized possession. Oh. And she handed him that plaque, man. And I was thinking, oh, my God. And he started crying. He held it to his chest. And he asked me to, he came, he got me to come over and read it. And I hadn't seen it forever. And I read that little plaque. And um, it was just awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. And so my point is this. Love tolerates some things. You know, sometimes you got to tolerate some stuff to love somebody. But it doesn't tolerate what it doesn't believe is really best for you. Does that make sense? And, um, and he was a good example of that. And, um, and, and we should be a good example of that in our own lives. We shouldn't be so intolerant that we can't stand or take anything. And that's a very selfish intolerance, just meaning... I won't put up that with that because that's not going to happen around me for me. And it's all about me. Well, I'm not for that. You know, I'm not for that kind of intolerance. And we shouldn't be so tolerant that 
we put up with anything and everything because I really don't care because I'm good. And that's all because of me. So there should be a level of tolerance in our lives that, that is only the tolerance that's required and needed to maintain relationship with someone so that we can love them. But if the tolerance rises to the level that we're no longer loving them, that's a problem. So if I had to sum it up real briefly, I'd say love is not tolerant. But it does have a measure of tolerance. But anyway, you had um, something you wanted to share, uh, scripture there or something. Let's just, let's well, we do that. just thought that this was a great scripture just to show how Jesus thanked the Lord that Jesus wasn't tolerant of our sin and he loved us so much to die for our sin but in John 19 1 through 6 it just gives um, it just talks about how well I'll read it it's, it's talking about how Jesus was brutally beaten and right. for our sin and so it's John 19 1 through 6 and says then Pilate ordered Jesus to be brutally beaten with a whip of leather straps embedded with metal and the soldiers also wove thorn branches into a crown and set it on his head and placed a purple robe over his shoulders. Then one by one they came in front of him to mock him by saying, Hell to the king of the Jews. And one after the other they repeatedly punched him in the face. Once more Pilate went out and said to the Jewish officials, I will bring him out once more so that you know that I found nothing wrong with him. So when Jesus emerged, bleeding and wearing the purple robe and the crown of thorns on his head, Pilate said to them, Look at him. Here's your man. No sooner did the high priest and the temple guards see Jesus that they all shouted in a frenzy, Crucify him, crucify him. And, you know, this just makes me remember, you know, Jesus has no tolerance from any, for any sin, but yet in his love for us, he took all of our sins upon himself and he died for us. And I just think, you know, he died for us and he knew, he absolutely knew that I would sin over and over and over again. He fully knew that, but, and he didn't tolerate it at all. And thank God for that I'm convicted and I repent for my sins. And then through his grace and his love, he covers and forgives our sins. And it's just incredible to me. Yeah, I, and I remember whenever I was watching The Passion of the Christ, saw that movie, and they were beating Jesus. And in the movie, I'm thinking this, you know, I'm just thinking this is ridiculous. I mean, I mean no one would ever beat someone to this. This is crazy. You know, and it, so I'm thinking to myself, Mel Gibson, whoever did this movie, they just way overcooked this. You know, it's just so. But then, then just like a ton of bricks, it hit me. You know that, and you know, when we think about. This wasn't just people punishing Jesus. This was God punishing sin because he loves us. Mm -hmm. He does not tolerate sin. So there is a consequence for sin. It's not tolerated. There's a consequence for it every single time. This is the price he paid so that we could be forgiven because sin would not be tolerated. So so, So in the movie, I'm thinking, then when it hit me, this is God punishing sin. This is what I deserved, and you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't rain down enough abuse to cover the sin. 
but but whenever whenever Jesus was sinless and he took it upon himself, he covered it for our sake. Yeah. Right? So God doesn't you know, anytime I try to think, you know, is love tolerant, I know God is love. Mm-hmm. So I look to God and I think, okay, is God tolerant? We say, well, he loves us, but he doesn't tolerate sin. Mm-hmm. There's always a consequence for sin. And so if we think we're loving someone by tolerating their sin, but in our relationship with them, what we're doing is we're removing the consequence of sin from their life by enabling in it in our relationship, then that's not a good tolerance. We're not loving them. So the only tolerance we should have is tolerance and love for their sake. And with that tolerance should come correction, conviction, mm-hmm. and, and truth that points you in the right direction. So I don't hate you for your sin. God didn't hate us for our sin. He loved us despite our sin. So I don't hate you for your sin, but I don't want you in your sin. Right? So I hope that makes sense. Yeah. And then I'll close this up with this and hope it adds a little more clarity. But um, growing up, I would say my, um, my dad was probably the least tolerant man in the neighborhood. And, but all the kids played at our house. Because he was the least tolerant, um, you know, if you were playing at our house and you're, you're, you, know, you were playing ball in our backyard when we were still so small we could play in our yard before we had to go to Mr. Brockhoff's, um, he, you know, he, he, he tolerated, he let us play and he let us tear stuff up too. But if you were bully, if you were selfish, if you, if you did anything that he felt like was, was out of line or disrespectful to other people's selfish, he was completely intolerant. He'd like immediately go out there and he would make it real clear to you. He didn't, he didn't even make sure he was loving. You know what I mean? He was like, hey, son, if you're going to do that here, you're not coming back or you're not going to do it anymore. If you want to play in my yard, you're, you're not going to bully. You're not going to do these these things. I already, I'm, I've told you three times. I'm not telling you again. And I'll be like, oh, I'm going to tell my dad. Dad, like, we go tell your dad and bring him back. I'll tell him too. You know, I mean, that was how my dad. So, so I, in many ways, I think some of us thought my dad was harsh. For a long time, I know I did. And But then a lot of the other dads in the neighborhood and some of my friends' dads, you know, pretty much anything went. You know, you could go over there and, it, you know, it seemed like they tolerated everything. So I felt like my parents were so strict and my dad was so harsh. But then now, we grew, now we've grown up and I run into some of those guys every now and then. This is what I get. And so I hope you can learn from this, okay? This is what I get from them. And it, was, it blows my mind every time. But they're like, man, how's your dad? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing they say. I was like, man, you know, I, well, I, mean, I, I lost him this year, right? But I... Most of the time I could say, hey, Dad's doing all right. And they would say, man, I don't know if he knows it, but he was like the only dad I ever had. Your dad meant the world to me. But, but Dad would also take them fishing. He'd take them hunting. He'd, he would do things, but he didn't tolerate their foolishness at all. And, I mean, and over and over and over again. And so closing with this, if someone tolerates everything in your life, if you have children – and you are extremely tolerant. Here's what your children are going to learn and what they're going to know. They're, at some point, they're going to realize they're not loved. And when they grow up, they're going to be like some of my friends and say, you know, I never felt like my parents really loved me, but I felt like your dad did. And if you're not so tolerant, not a tyrant, not just mean, you know, not selfish, but if, if, if you love these young men and these kids and people enough, 
all people. It's not just children. If you love people enough to not be tolerant of the things that you know aren't best for them, even if they don't like it, and a lot of times they won't like it, many times they won't like it, even if they don't like it, they're going to know they're loved. And in the end, they're going to bring you a story that you're going to have a hard time telling without crying. Does that make sense? So we had a couple more things we were going to add in here, but I think we've taken enough time already. So thanks again for joining us. I was telling Tammy I need to come up with more intro and more, um, more what do you call the end? Conclusion? Ex- <laughs> yeah, something. Because every time I listen to the podcast on myself, I'm like, you jump straight in and jump straight out. But I like to get right to the meat and potatoes, and I don't want to waste your time. But um, thank you all so much for joining us. Until the next podcast, trust God's word no matter what. And keep your eyes on the horizon. Thanks for listening to The Right Fight Podcast. Make sure to check out Kenny's book, The Right Fight, for more on how to live a loving life. It's available on their website, shieldsofstrength.com, Audible, and all digital platforms. If you have any questions for the podcast, you can email support at shieldsofstrength.com and put podcast as the subject. And make sure to follow Kenny on Instagram and TikTok at John Kennedy Vaughn. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.